Amen. Would you open your Bible with me to Ephesians chapter 3? I invite you to have a Bible open and ready to follow along with us. You need just one volume from this amazing library of books that we call the Bible. If you can find Ephesians, we are going to go to several different places throughout that amazing letter that was inspired by God, given to us by the Apostle Paul to thousand years ago. What we're going to read today, what we're going to depend upon today is very, very old, but very, very precious. I want you to think about how many things were written and said 2,000 years ago that we have absolutely no idea about. We'll never run across it. Because it stands no longer, but what we are holding in our hands this morning, it stands solid, firm, steadfast. You can build your life here, and as you build, you're building on solid rock. You can build your life here and not worry about what comes even after your brief time on this earth. Because this stands even into eternity. Thank you for being here this morning. We have a number of guests with us. Welcome. We're especially glad that you're here and we invite you to follow along with us. You've come at a very good time. We are kicking off a new series that will take us, Lord willing, into mid-December, both Roger and I. We're just going to hand the baton back and forth over the course of Sunday mornings as we dig deep and mine the treasure together that is God's church and God's work and God's way. It's my privilege to kick that off this morning Taking into account with you that every great building project, as we have reminded ourselves throughout this year, it begins with a solid purpose, a, a solid concept, a, a blueprint, and a, a mind or a collection of minds that have gone into defining that purpose and laying out that blueprint and working together so that the concept becomes the reality of which the blueprint is only just the dream, the idea, the, the, the guidelines, the boundaries, the hopes for what we believe can make a difference. And this morning... Really, throughout the next several weeks, what I would really, really encourage you to remember is we want to lean on God's mind. And I want to lean heavily this morning on this letter of Paul to Ephesians to drive that point home like a, a cornerstone of this building project from the very, very beginning. I want to step very carefully this morning in making sure that you see this is not the fruit of my mind. This is not our collective idea. In fact, this is not 
any individual humans or collection of, of humans that have come up with this idea. This is God's idea. This is God's purpose. This is God's masterpiece. Is your Bible open there to Ephesians chapter 3? Can you find verse 11 of Ephesians chapter 3 where we come across solid rock on which to build for the next several weeks? Ephesians 3 verse 11, this was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized. This is God's purpose. This is not plan B. This is not the best that he could come up with on a, a whim in a pinch when we as humanity had made a mess of things. This is God's purpose. God's eternal purpose. This is not something that you and I are, are talking about might happen eventually if all of the dominoes fall correctly and all of the dots line up and the stars just right. This is what we're waiting for. No, we're not waiting for this. We're not hoping for this. We're not wishing for this. This is His eternal purpose. I want you to notice those last few words on the screen. A purpose that he has realized. And there's lots of places we could go in God's book that show us this purpose. There are lots of places that we could go in this one book of this library you've taken off of the shelf and you have open in front of you. But what I'd like to do in order to try and make it just as clear and plain and easy to understand as possible is to draw your attention just to three words. This purpose revolves around three words. This purpose is, is built on three words. This eternal purpose that he has realized is pointing you and me and everybody who is willing to listen to three words. And the first of those is person. His eternal purpose has been realized Ephesians 3 verse 11 tells us and we don't have to even go to another verse to figure out who the person is this was according to his eternal purpose that he has realized in a person in Christ Jesus our Lord Let's stay. We're confining ourselves this morning just to Ephesians. So you might have to turn a page before this to Ephesians chapter 1. But let's stay right here and figure out in this immediate context what Paul tells us about this person. After all, there are a lot of people who have lived. You learn about a whole lot of people in school. A whole lot of people have shaped your life and will continue to shape your life as long as you live. So what makes 
this person so special? Why should you, whatever you carried into this room with you this morning, stop and seriously consider this person? Let's lean on Ephesians 1 verse 19 where once again we're, we're being drawn to what God our Creator has done. Verse 19, according to the working of His great might that He worked in Christ. You see, this, this purpose revolves around a person. He has accomplished something in Christ when he raised him from the dead. You mean you really believe that? Yes. Christians really believe that. In fact, we don't just believe that. That is the bedrock on which we are building our lives. That is why we follow the Apostle Paul in referring to Christ as our life. That's why we believe that He is this morning, that He reigns this morning, that He hears what is going on in this room this morning, that He is aware of everything about you, everywhere you will go, everything that you will do, everything that you will experience this week. He is aware and He cares. He is that good shepherd who has laid down his life for his sheep and is willing and able, so anxious to lead us home to him. This is God's person. The one raised from the dead. The one seated at the right hand of the Father in heaven. Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion. And above every name that is named. Not only in this age but also in the one to come. And God, the architect of this greatest masterpiece, has put all things under the feet of this person. All things. All. Things. Are under the feet of this person. All. Things. All of us. Are subject. To this person. All of us will eventually see this person. All of us will eventually stand before this person. And so we're not having our attention simply drawn to someone who lived a really long time ago. No. Key word number two is proclamation. Something has been proclaimed about this person that relates to you. Now, lots of things have developed over the course of the last week. Lots of things have happened in the world of which you and I have no idea. 
and you can live a perfectly full and fulfilled and happy and satisfying life and, and never hear about, never react to a zillion things that are happening, have happened in the history of this world. But I want you to understand this morning, this is different. This is not, well, you know, I hear rumbling somewhere over there, and when I get time, maybe I'll ask, what, what's that all about? I, I really don't know much about that, and I, I'm not even sure that I really need to care about what's going on over there in, in that part of the world. No, our attention is being drawn by our Creator to a person. He's drawing our attention through a proclamation about that person. And this is a proclamation that you need to hear, number one. And so, confining ourselves right there to Ephesians, look at verse 1 of Ephesians chapter 1, where we're introduced to the author of this letter, Paul, an apostle. All that that word means is someone who is sent by, someone who has been commissioned by or entrusted with something by. He's, he's an ambassador. He's a, a spokesperson. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus. The most important person who has ever lived has commissioned this man named Paul by the will of God. Look down at verse 13. In Him. In who? In God's person. In Christ Jesus. You also, when you heard the word of truth. You see how simple this is. God's masterpiece is pointing us to a person. And somehow, some way... People who never saw him with their own eyes, like people who lived in Ephesus 2,000 years ago, somehow, for some reason, need to know about this person and, in fact, need to be in this person. And the way that that begins is the word of truth. But even here, we're not simply being pointed to a person who said some things a long time ago, but now all of that is irrelevant. Here's our third key word for this morning, and it is people. Something truly incredible happens in the lives of ordinary human beings who Ephesians 1 and verse 13 Hear the word of truth. But they don't just hear the word of truth. They believe in that word of truth. What it is saying about this person. And something really incredible happens when they hear it. They believe it. And they begin hoping in this purpose. Hoping in Christ, God's person. 
Look in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1 again. Notice how they are described. Paul, an apostle, someone sent of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the... How are these people who hear and believe and hope in the proclamation of this person, how are they described? They are the saints. You see... Hearing and believing and hoping in this person changes your life. Now, I can hear and be unchanged. I can hear and say I believe and not walk with him and remain unchanged. I can sit in the middle of a crowd of people who hear and believe and hope in him and remain absolutely unchanged. But when I begin to follow him as the good Shepherd, I believe that he laid his life down for me and I want to follow him wherever he leads. It changes my life. Now, maybe at this point you're, you're thinking the way that a lot of people think, well, all of that sounds great, but I've made a royal mess of things. I'm not sure this, this could work in my life. Look at the next chapter of our book, Ephesians chapter 2. Notice how these saints are described in Ephesians chapter 2. We're not talking about God's person at this point. We're not talking about incredibly good news. We're just talking about the mess that was the people who responded to this news were. Notice how these people are described in Ephesians 2 and verse 1. You were dead. You hadn't just made some mistakes. You didn't have some personality quirks that got you pointed in the wrong direction. You just didn't happen to bump and bruise each other and hurt the sensibilities of God. You were dead. You see, that only makes sense if we're talking about a person who was dead and is no longer dead. God's person. Now we've got context for... You were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work and the sons of disobedience among whom we all. This wasn't just a local problem in Ephesus. This is a human problem. We all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, the architect of this masterpiece, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him. With who? With God's person. And now because we've heard this and we believe in this and our hope is in this person. 
It's not in ourselves. It's not in all of us. It's not in humanity. It's in this person. My hope is built on nothing less, we sing, than Jesus, His blood, His righteousness. And now you look at the language that describes these people who were a wreck, dead in trespasses and sins. Now, made alive, seated with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages He might show the immeasurable riches of His grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Listen to this language. You don't know what's going to happen this week. You don't know if you'll live to see this time next week. But if you're in Christ, you know where you end. You know that you are heaven bound. You know that whatever it is you experience in this life can't take that hope away that you enjoy in Christ. As long as you are in Christ, you're able to confidently say, verse 8, by grace I have been saved through faith. How in the world did I come to have faith? Through this proclamation. You weren't born with it. You didn't inherit it. You heard this news and you believed this news and this news moved your heart to hope in God's person. This isn't your own doing. This is the gift of God. This isn't for good people who have their act together. It's not a result of works. Nobody boasts here. No. We are His workmanship. God's workmanship. God's Masterpiece created in God's person for good works which God prepared beforehand that we, God's people, should walk in them. And in Him, look back at chapter 1, verse 3, in Christ Listen to what we enjoy. I don't know what, what news you filled your heart with this morning before you came here. But this is it. The greatest news of all. Ephesians 1.3 Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ. In this person. Who are we as God's people? What are we to be? We're to be in Christ. Christ and in Christ every spiritual blessing is available. Blessings like what? Look down at verse 7. In Him we have redemption through His blood. The forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace. Now, how does this relate to where we're going? Very simple idea there, right? God's person, God's proclamation, God's people. I want you to see, I don't want you to take my word or anybody else's word for it. How are these people described by God? 
Well, in a variety of ways. We, we noticed already saints. Look down at the end of Ephesians chapter 1. Look at verse 22. Ephesians 1, 22. He, the architect of this plan, put all things under the feet of his person, Christ Jesus, and gave him as head over all things to the, to the church. When we talk about the church over the course of the next several weeks, we're not talking about this building. When we talk about the church over the course of the next few weeks, we're not talking about some lifeless organization that's got a 1-800 number that you'll call and never really speak to a real person. When we talk about the church over the course of the next few weeks, we're not talking about something a long time ago that, that, that really doesn't exist. We're not talking about something that we hope will eventually happen and we wish upon a star that it will come. When we talk about the church, when we talk about God's church, we're talking about His people. We're talking about His body. The body of which He is the head. Now before we're done this morning, stay right there in Ephesians 1. I want to cheat a little, and I want to try and just briefly show you why this foundation matters so much. You ever talk to someone before? You ever believe? You ever practice that, well, I'm interested in God's person. His person fascinates me. I'm interested in hearing more about this proclamation of good news about this person, but I have no interest in the church. Lots of ways to respond to that. Could I just land, lean on Ephesians 1. Let's keep reading. Ephesians 1, let's keep reading, in fact, verse 23. Where the church is described as his body. The fullness. His body is the fullness of the one who fills all in all. You can turn over to Ephesians 3 where we'll read for just a moment. But let me, if this is where you are or have been or you talk with people who are here. I'm interested in Jesus but I have no interest whatsoever in the church. Do you hear what your creator is saying? You cannot lead a full, fulfilled life the way it was meant to be and not be a part of his people. Look at Ephesians 3, verse 14. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. We're talking about everybody. That according to the riches of His glory, He may grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being so that Christ 
His person may dwell in your hearts through faith. And that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints. You see, this is not a solo project. You're not being invited on a destination which is you and Jesus as traveling companions. Jesus as your occasional co-pilot. No. The fullness of God is in the body of Christ. His church. And it is within the church that all the saints come to know what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. Young person making college plans, I want you to listen to me very carefully. I don't know where you'll move and I don't know where you'll go to school or what you'll do as an adult, but here's what I do know. You will not experience the breadth and the length and the height and the depth of the love of Christ apart from His church. This is according to God's eternal purpose how you are filled with all the fullness of God. I'm thankful for technology. I'm thankful that over the course of the last 20 months or so, we've been able to leverage amazing tools. But to those of you watching now, live, or next week, this is about more than hearing about a person. This is about being a part of his people. And wouldn't you agree with me that it's a whole lot easier not to have to worry about loving you when you don't seem to be very lovable and you loving me when I'm not acting very lovable when you're just watching me through some pixels on a screen. But when we are together, when we are living life together, we taste and experience what is in the author of this masterpiece, the breadth and length and height and depth, we are filled. Ephesians chapter 1, if you'll go back there quickly. Perhaps as I hear that, my, my, my initial reaction is, okay, I hear what you're saying about the church, but I've got a real problem because the church just seems to be so narrow-minded and the gospel seems to be so exclusive. And to say that Jesus is the only way and the only truth and the only life seems far too divisive. Rather popular to believe that in 2021, right? Could I humbly suggest that if that's you this morning, you are believing a lie. A lie of that John chapter 10 verse 10 thief that Brent drew our attention to. The thief who comes only to kill and destroy. You see, God's plan is a uniting plan. Ephesians 1 verse 10, as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in Him. Things in heaven and things on earth. 
Turn over quickly to Ephesians 4. And I want you to notice verse 1. How he does this. How in the world God unites all things in a world so very fractured. Ephesians 4 verse 1. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain what is God doing? It's a unification project. The unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. How's He going to do that? There's one body. And one Spirit. Just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord. One faith. One baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Which means, ladies and gentlemen, we'll lean on Ephesians 2, beginning in verse 17. If I decide Jesus too divisive, the church too exclusive, this whole idea too narrow-minded, I'm going to tune out Ephesians 2 verse 17, the one who came and preached peace to those who were far off and peace to those who were near. I'm going to tune out this one spirit that gives anybody access to the Father and I'm going to decide right now I can have it my own way, but what do I stay? I stay a stranger and an alien. I'm left out of citizenship with the saints and members of the household of God. I don't build my life on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. No, I get to do what I want for a little while and I build a really impressive sandcastle. Look at my sandcastle. Look at how amazing this is. And then the tide of death sweeps in. And I've wasted my life. Because I've decided my way's better. I know better. My wisdom, better than the wisdom of God. Just a few days ago, I ran across just an interesting little tidbit from history. I know not everybody loves history. This will be quick and painless, I promise. September of 1807, Napoleon is raging across Europe the British launch a major naval attack. Nobody had a naval force like the British. In order to try and slow Napoleon's advance, they, they launched this naval attack on Copenhagen, the capital of Denmark, and the Danish navy is completely destroyed. Almost immediately after their defeat... The Danes planted 90,000 oak trees for the Navy's rebirth. 
And for a really long time, those oak trees just slowly grew. 200 years later, in 2007, the Danish Nature Agency informed the Defense Ministry of Denmark that their trees were ready. And there's two different ways to look at that. One is, well, we don't build ships with oak anymore. And that's true. But could I encourage you to think this morning how we have sung words of a tree planted 134 years ago. The kingdoms of earth pass away one by one, but the kingdom of heaven remains. We've observed a memorial of a tree, in a sense, planted 2,000 years ago. We have spent the last 35 minutes or so gazing at a purpose that stretches into eternity past and eternity future. And when we start thinking about the trees that have been planted, this, this amazing forest that we're walking in, what I want you to see is this is history's greatest masterpiece. The manifold wisdom of God. You didn't miss out on it 2,000 years ago. It is here. Look around you this morning. People gather, people will gather this week for all kinds of reasons. Common background, common socioeconomic status, common political viewpoints, common hobbies. And all of that makes good, just natural common sense, right? But the church, when outsiders look in on the church, they ought to struggle with what makes us gather together. Because there isn't any natural explanation as to why different nationalities, different ethnicities, different ages, different family backgrounds, different marital statuses, different financial resources, different political views, different interests. What's binding them together? And you see, when that happens, the manifold wisdom of God is on display. You know what binds these people together? The gospel. You know who binds these people together? Their head, Christ Jesus, who doesn't just make strangers into friends or friends into family, but enemies into brothers and sisters in Christ. So let me ask you, who do we think we are when we get together and decide how we're going to do church? How we're going to be organized? What our mission is? What we're going to talk about? What we're going to do when we gather together for worship? Who do we think we are when we are dealing with the manifold wisdom of God?
God's church, God's work, God's way. In order that God might get the glory. Ephesians 1 verse 12. So that we were, who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of His glory. And so in just a moment, we're going to stand and we're going to sing a song. Words of a, a tree that was planted a long time ago. And here we are. We get to stand in the shade of that tree and use it to glorify our Father in heaven. To say, in a sense, to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church. And in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. As we sing this invitation song that's reflecting on just a, a step, Would you think carefully about one Lord, one faith, one spirit who points you to one baptism. The baptism in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. If you haven't done that, why not right here, right now? Leave this room a part of God's people. Maybe you are carrying burdens. Maybe you're carrying guilt and shame this morning that nobody else knows about other than your Father in heaven. Would you wonder at the fact that He gave you His people so that you might not carry that burden out on your own this morning? God's people are here. God's people are willing to pray with and pray for you. This invitation song is extended to you. And if we can help in some way, would you let us know how by coming to the front while we stand and sing?